Hello Howlers! This week on Fate to Obsidian we will be discussing Dark Age chapters 1 to 15. We recommend that you've also read the book to avoid spoilers and please be aware that this episode contains discussions about violence and death as well as strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, everybody, to Fade to Obsidian, your podcast about spaceships and relationships. I am Skipper, joined as always by Crescent, and this week we have Summit with us. Welcome, Summit. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Uh, So who are you? Why are you Summit? And what are you drinking? So I joined the Howler's Den a couple months ago. I actually tried to join in December, but couldn't figure out Discord that I had to do the little wolf button to get in. It's key so thing. eventually back. Yeah, classic. Um, yep. I, I think you learned a lot about me just in that one story. But I, my Summit Howler name came a year and a half ago or two years ago from a Facebook fan group, and I was named my love of mountains, but also challenges and inability to back down from things as, you know, with the howler, with the dun, dun dunk cookie. Yes. Just about anything there. And tonight I'm drinking the rest of my whiskey from our <laughs> bourbon, from our dun dunk. And then I've got some tequila because tequila stirs shit up. And unfortunately, Ooh. I think some of my Lysander thoughts Oh, Oh, no. I am excited. Another apologist? No, not quite, but we'll get there. Okay, okay. Uh, Yes, we did just do the den dunk. It is posted on Instagram. I'll take it to the end of this whole thing so you can watch it. And that is where you dip Oreos in whiskey. So we're all kind of drinking the ends of whatever we were drinking there. Um, yeah, so I had currently 40 Creek now with Oreo bits in it, but I am actually drinking tonight Dark and Stormy, which is one of my go-to drinks, um, because it is Dark Age and we get the Storm Gods and actually it's because Crescent does not like spiced rum and I took great offense to that and needed to find a way to drink Dark and Stormies and this is a little bit too perfect. (laughs) So there you go. So I get yeah, it started. really couldn't work out any better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this week, um, for the Den Dunk, I used Crown Royal for my base whiskey. And um, I am too old and have too much good whiskey to finish drinking shitty whiskey. So uh, I poured it down the drain. And I am drinking Talisker Storm nice. this week. We are making storms on Mercury. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So we get the beginning of Dark Age in this one. This is our first Dark Age episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Summit, what is your relationship with Dark Age? Have you read it multiple times? First time reading? Where are you, where are you sitting on that? So this is my third go-through. I read it once, and I've listened to it once. And now I'm doing a mashup. And... I have a strong, strong love for the 
we thought was going to be second trilogy. Now it's the tetralogy. I love having the other point of views in there. I love like how the story evolves. So I know there's heavy topics and things like that, but I have a lot of dark age love in my heart. So I'm excited mm -hmm. to get into it. Nice. Love it. Crescent, this is your favorite book. Uh, well, it was. Was, yes. Hey. <laughs> um, yes. It is It is my favorite of the, re the released books. Um, I am... I just ripped through it again uh, this week. And, cool uh, yeah. It's... it. Uh, yeah, I might have started it on Friday. He's crazy. He's crazy. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I also work alone a lot. And drive a lot. And you, what speed do you listen to it? Just one and a half. Oh, okay. Just one and a half. It's like, fine. I get up to well, Hawking I get up listens to it at two times. Mm-hmm. Hawking. Mm. See, if I get up to 1.3 or 1.4, like, I feel like that's speeding. Like, since I was trying to pay more attention to this, or this, I put it down to, like, 1.15. But cool. y'all are speedy. Mm. I have to work my way up, even like just having finished Iron Gold, I have to put it back down to 1.2. And then by the end of today, when I was re listening to it 15 minutes before we jumped on here, because classic skipper, uh, I was up to 1.7, which wasn't, it didn't feel too bad, but I did try and do the to jump like all the way up and I could not I was like oh my god <laughs> like this is just anxiety inducing and I don't know if it's I feel like it depends on who the narrator is on what speed you want it on because sometimes the narrators are better for I think that's the hard part of listening to this book on audible or an audio form because if it's a book with just one narrator you can set your speed and go but between yeah. chapters I definitely notice a difference for sure. Uh, but yeah, this is my first read through of a book I have pretty much forgotten. So it's almost, almost like I'm rereading for the first, or I'm that I'm reading for the first time. The thing is, I can remember some of the hit points. So it is funny if I'm going through being like, is this the part? No, that's not the part. Is this the part? No, that's not the part. So it's, it's an interesting one. But, uh, Dark Age kind of throws us right into the action directly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah li literally in the prologue. Like, we get our we get our opening from Mustang. Yes! And then we're busting out Orion. Yeah. Yep. And I know Summit. Also, for everybody who's not in the den, first of all, join the den. Uh, we actually have two Summits. Mm -hmm. And this is our summit Everest. Um, we also have because, summit K two. Yeah. Because at a whopping five foot eight, I'm the <laughs> tallest one. <laughs> I thought certainly I would be the shorter one, but no, no, no. I like it. Yes. Apparently, neither of you were named for your height. Nope. <laughs> I like it. Um. Yeah, I was. Super excited. I actually forgot that we start with Mustang. Um, mm -hmm. One of my favorite parts of Dark Age overall is having her as a narrator. 
um, as a point of view. Like we have, you know, for four books, she's been such a central character, but always from the outside. And so to get inside her mind, uh, she's one of my top characters. I, she's just fascinating in so many ways. So I like love starting off that way. And that there's the little flash forward flashback, right? Like it really does place you right in the middle of things. Like you realize like shit is going down. How do we get back from this? So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, and so we talked right before we were recording about when we did iron gold, we were going through each point of view and this beginning, the two point of views. So this is only till chapter 15. If those don't know, but it's only Lysand, other than the Mustang intro, it's only uh, Darrow and Lysander, and they pretty much are going, at the same time, back to back. Like, you just get one side to the other to the other, and so it's really interesting of, I really like that you can see what each thinks the other is doing, where they think this is going, and you as the reader kind of get that little bit more tidbit like you feel like you're a spy like it's it's really fun in that capacity it's one of my favorite things as a writer that pierce has done um you know so iron gold he introduces multiple povs but this is the first time that i think they play off each other in such related way and i think you reveal a lot about a character when you're reading from their point of view, but doing it this way, you reveal a lot about the character from reading from their opposite point of view now too. Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah, absolutely. I love the way he plays with it and he's so intentional with it. Uh, you can tell phrases that are repeated or how, how Darrow views one thing in one scene is then mirrored and Lysander's reaction to it in another. And it gives like this 360 experience for the reader as opposed to you're like going down a tunnel with a narrow point of view. Yeah. Yeah. Phenomenally done. As Which per is, usual. As per usual. I was going to say, that's kind of the thing with Pierce is I think his writing style carries, like the plot, the characters, they're all great, but his writing styles is what kind of drives it home. Um, and even you get... Not just the like the warring point of views, but we get back to how Lysander talks and what his thought processes comes through so well in comparison to Darrow, how he talks in his thought process and kind of those. The other fun thing I find in this one is we get a lot of callbacks in these opening scenes. So you get the Dago. Um, mm -hmm. Dago is in it. Screwface makes his return. There's a few kind of little small callbacks to the original trilogy. Um, and, you know, especially with Dago, that, that scene is just so gorgeous, like beautiful of, you know, here's the dirt. Let's go to the veil. And not just the callbacks to the original trilogy, but to Darrow's red self. Mm -hmm. I think so much, like, yeah. tension for Darrow as a character and the whole story is between the red and the gold that live within him and how he views himself at what point in time. And there are a lot within 15 chapters, which is like a sixth of the book. It's not that much. 
a lot of references to his time on Lycos, his time on Mars, his family. Um, there's a very integral scene where he's deciding later whether or not to unleash the storm gods. And like he calls back to the advice his father gave him. Um, I felt like an iron gold. I saw a lot more of him as a gold. And I was very happy in these 15 chapters to see that red part of him still very strong and vibrant. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, for I forget whether it was this one or an iron gold. I think it was iron gold, but somebody said to, um, I think Lyria said to uh, Pax, she called Darrow a, a gold. Yeah. yeah. You know, he, and I just think it's this constant theme throughout in the last couple books of where does he fall and what does that make him? For sure. And I, I also don't like, um, well, with Dago of that, like all the reds carrying uh, soil of Mars and Darrow I and I do, Martians, even. is it all the Martians but Darrow I don't I think, think is, oh he says that he it was an emergency exit or unplanned like it's like this unplanned yeah. vacation or whatever um and he doesn't yeah, have his but he's him. not going to take it at first and then you do get that like you know what no I'm I'm gonna need this and I really also like his play back and forth with Rona in that regard of he still has this struggle of the niece versus and she calls it out of like you were gone for most of my life like and so that kind of plays into his afflicting back and forth like if we're gonna go like Daryl versus Lysander it's really interesting in this is it's almost like Daryl's going through a rediscovery himself while Lysander's meeting up with also all these people from his past that deemed him dead. Like, I mean, obviously Rona thought her uncle was dead for a while, but um, not in the same manner that Lysander's been painted out of pictures and stuff. And, like, it's a really cool back and forth of, you know, those connections to those people, but Darrow can trust all of them. Like, even now Dago, like, he trusts him. Yep, sure, great. Mm -hmm. Like, you brought it in the fold. Rather than Lysander doesn't know where he's sitting with all of this. I think um, it's it's a neat parallel between, like, Red Society and Gold Society. Where the Gold Army is like, <laughs> like good luck. And, yeah. you know, the Free Legions, it's like... The army is your your giant family, basically, mm -hmm. and it kind of kind of shows that that family oriented red mentality well, versus with the, the gold. this self first gold mentality. Yeah, and with the golds, like everything's a threat, right? Like, yeah. Lysander coming back is a threat. It is a threat to those who are currently in yes. power. Is a throw threat to those who want to seize power, um, those who just want to maintain. We just want to get Mercury back and stay over here. Like, I, I think that's one of the big distinctions too. And um, as opposed to, we got somebody back who can be a leader and who can yeah. help and who can power something yeah. forward and bring us all forward together. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's really interesting 
Well, and even the golds versus what side they're on. Of we see, uh, you know, Alexander at this point that he call Daryl calls out his growth, that he no longer, you know, looks down on certain people or whatever, rather than. For sure, like, the amount of times Lysander and Serafina are called children by the golds on this, rather than the other side, is letting Rona and Alexander, the children, like, do certain things and take command in certain regards because they know best. Like, it's really interesting on that. I hadn't made that connection. That's a, a really good one of looking at how that age group, that next generation is viewed within each mm-hmm. of their sides. Yeah, because you see, well, Serafina, when the storm god comes in, she's like, you don't understand storms. I do. I am of the rim and tries to take command. And then obviously Lysander is kind of backing her. and um, there. But all the guards are like, you're children. Like, we're not following the children. Like, what ridiculousness is this in comparison to... Rona does have to kind of call it out of, like, you know I'm the best. Put me in the, what is it called? Rackenjäger. Rackenjäger. Yeah. And then <laughs> Alexander tries, I wouldn't call it pull rank, but says to Darrow of, like, no, the Knights of Arcos want to go in. Like, send in the Knights of Arcos and just keep saying it until Darrow f- goes, fine. You've got it. Go. And it's more mm-hmm. of a, like you know what, in this moment, you are correct and go rather than we're seeing that, like, the golds will not give it up, especially, like, survival instinct. If you have someone who knows how to, like, survive in that storm or what that storm's going to do, so don't go into it, maybe listen, like, but they're just so set in their ways. Well, also the irony is there, like, because what you pointed out is completely true as far as how they're received by their elders, but also mm-hmm. their own view of themselves from what we can tell internally is almost swapped. Like Serafina and Lysander have an inflated sense of self. They have complete confidence in their duties and the role that they should take as they're getting batted down of like, sit down child, you know, we know what we're doing, but they're coming to the table with all of their old haughtiness, you know, yeah. versus Alex, and Rona being confident and knowing that they have that skill, but I feel like approaching the conversation in a much different manner, you know? Yeah. And like, look for that, when are we going to earn our Howler cloak? Like, knowing it is something to be earned. Yeah. yeah. I think we've we've had a similar conversation um, when we were talking Dark, uh, sorry, Iron Gold, um, where, yeah, like, Alexander and Rona coming up with the howlers it's like yeah like you're gonna get called on being an asshole Mm -hmm. if you're just like you know oh i'm the shit yeah whereas lysander doesn't get told anything is wrong with his thoughts until he goes to the army yeah comparing them let's go back to the beginning of how we get into this mess (laughs) of what we're seeing it's really i don't know in my mind hard to separate all of this because it is such a like you're directly into war yeah it's very much darrow relating to his army yeah and lysander relating to the gold war machine Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Like, sure, we get we get like smaller, like relationship bits, but like Ooh. that's kind of the kind of the big thing, at least for the start of this book. There's like the big relationship is between Darrow and the army and Lysander and the army. Yeah. But it is interesting, so starting kind of back when we get Lysander showing up with all these people and they have to do the DNA testing and we get kind mm-hmm. of hints into how um, protective of the DNA and we get to see what that looks like, the confirmation of the DNA. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, like, so we talked about the people who don't trust and all of this, but the people he's now surrounded with, it's his mom's best friend. They reference the dad's best friend, Atlas, who's not mm-hmm. there, but they kind of all push away from. Um, Ajax, who is Aja's son. So we get some really cool players coming in in those early chapters that are spoil just a little bit going to be big players in this world mm-hmm. so one of my favorite parts about this reread so far i think on the first one i'm just processing everything right seeing where it's gonna go she's the villain don't get me wrong i kind of love atalantia she is so like sassy and spitfire and ridiculous and over the top like ajax i straight up i'm like I have a lot more disdain and dislike for reading yes. this character. Yeah. Right? Um, but Atalantia is just very dynamic. Um, she brings humor into situations that, especially because there are, like, there's a lot of, I mean, we've got death and nukes and things like there's a lot of heaviness going on. I appreciate that there actually, I did notice there is a lot of humor sprinkled throughout if you look for it and she is a bringer of it. And I'm like, she's to me, she's the delight to read. Even if she's yeah. a, a bad guy, I enjoy mm-hmm. seeing how she interacts. Yeah. Yeah. She, she may be a bad guy, but she's not a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's a lot of fun. Um, and I think different than what we've seen of the society in a manner that they're usually so cut and dry and she's not, we don't really know what her weird intentions are sometimes. Like the exchange between her and Diomedes early on, you know, so good, so good. And so he is. He is honor and stoicism and coming with a purpose. And he's getting a little cajoled or t- taken down by other people. And she's just like, go on, sweetie. You're doing great. Keep going. <laughs> like, she is just, like, eating mm-hmm. popcorn, throwing barbs. And I love it. She's so yeah. good. I, lo- I love how there's the, like, uh, the first the first barb she throws, he, like, you know, lists off all of his his duties and titles and whatever and she's like "Ooh, what's that <laughs> right and then and then it just like stops him in the middle of of this yeah uh, like i didn't know that existed <laughs> of, of information and then in his introduction of Seraphina, he stops expecting this and then she's like no no go on you're doing great <laughs> like you fucking troll <laughs> but like it gives us enjoyable moments that are oh absolutely. you know and i'm like 
I did not appreciate that initially um, until this reread. And I was like, ooh, I'm yeah. here for this. <laughs> Uh, I do think we have to bring up that the Den has an ongoing thing about the voice actor makes her sound like Ralph Fiennes Voldemort. Like, it's so so bad, but hilarious at the same time that (laughs) you're just like, what? Why is... And like... I believe I coined the term of (laughs) Atalantia. I did see that. I can confirm. <laughs> yeah. It's it's something. I will say, like, I dislike when voice actors just do, like, a high-pitched voice for females. And he doesn't do that. Like, so kudos to him for trying to make her stand out. But <laughs> it's like, this is, this is Voldemort. <laughs> His yeah, Sarah once, once you hear it, you will never unhear it. His Seraphita is also awkward. It is. Um, and I, when that conversation was happening in the den, I was still purely reading the Kindle. And so that's, it was like two days later, I started listening and I was like, I can't unhear it now. You are all mm-hmm. right. This yeah. is what we're doing. Well, and that was me today because I only read all of the 15 chapters today and I immediately put in the den, like, I finally understand with the Voldemort voice. And they're like, right? Uh, which does make, and we can, this is mm, kind of the end of the chapters, but the awkward kiss between her and Lysander, I then compared to when Voldemort is to Draco, like, hugging at the end of the movie. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. It's like, it's like the wand, like happening? Like... <laughs> yeah. Like, but it just kind of made it even more of an awkward kiss. Uh, I know we just jumped up whole ton there but yeah it's just it's pretty pretty bad but but again like it just another reason why i'm along for the ride with her character (laughs) yes yeah yeah she's just great but i i was gonna say but the thing is with her care so to talk more about her the the picture is the huge thing that stands out for her for me and her character is that they've got this family photo that she has blacked out everybody who has died. Mm-hmm. And so Lysander looking at it, he's blacked out on it as well, but it's just her and Ajax, I think are the last. And Atlas. and Atlas. And Atlas. Um, and so I just think that's really interesting of most people would want to honor those who, you know, and, and her claim to her throne of her father, or we'll call it a throne, but of her th- father, the sovereign, all of that, and she's kind of blacked it out. Like, that's really interesting move on her part. Yeah, for where you took it of, like, her claim to the throne being erased, I see where you're going there. I almost viewed it as the opposite of, like... Mm. The more people that erase, the more that I am the center. Interesting. Right? Yeah. Like, I am your choice. Like, yep. Like, I'm the lone wolf stand and not wolf. I wish. Those are the better ones. But um, Yeah. The lone snake slithering. <laughs> yeah. Safe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to the me that. The only reason I'm here. 
Yeah, he makes the puns and and knows all the facts. Uh. So, question. Mm-hmm. It starts to happen at the end of Dark Age or at the end of Iron Gold. Very much set in stone here. Was anyone else surprised at Atalantia being like the main villain at this point? Like to me, that was like we get it with the Ash Lord at the end of Iron Gold, but I was like. I had kind of forgotten about her, honestly, and I feel like Pierce kind of resurrected her, and it makes sense now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she's the lone uh, surviving of the sisters and all of that, but um, I don't know that I would have called this in, like, book two or three, right? Oh, for sure, oh, yeah, no. no like, it's not until, um, yeah, I would say the, like, last chapters of Iron Gold that you're like, oh, yeah, well, basically, that's... Basically yeah. where the Ash Lord's like, yeah, no, like, you know... I've been here and uh, you know, who did you leave me? Yeah. And it's Atalantia and it's like, Oh fuck. And we know nothing about her at that point. Like, yeah. And I was going to say how much then is that a surprise to, well, we know Darrow and Mustang, especially Darrow is assuming it's the Ash Lord this whole time. But like, Do they even guess at any, like, what do they know about her that, you know, so it is, it's a, it's a big, like, interesting reveal for her to be the big villain. Mm -hmm. And then she comes in with such swagger on it too. Like in her world, it is not. I mean, when she has that conference that she brings in the others over the hollows and they're sitting there talking as she reunites with Lysander she is like i am the supreme one here when it term in terms of war strategy like i don't want to be sovereign i just want to conquer and all of that like she comes in with that energy but for me like for the last couple couple chapters of iron gold I, I didn't see it coming and i wonder when that thought occurred to pierce yeah this mm-hmm. is the direction that i'm going to go this is where the future of the tension lies yeah, well, that's a good. So, Crescent, this might go into your brain. Uh, how many references to her do we have previous to Iron Gold, or not even Iron Gold? Maybe she it sets during Iron Gold, but how many references previous to the Ash Lord reveal? Um, many. There's a couple. Um, yeah. So. Uh, Ephraim has a drink called the Venusian Fury. Uh. Uh, and that is because, like, it talk it talks about uh, a buzz behind the eyes and a swelling in the groin, and that's like that's very much Aja or uh, sorry, Atalantia. Um, and so that's it's a it's a slight one, but um, that might be the only one okay at least like other than just like you know her name being said yeah because yeah i can't remember any until the ashlord reveals like i was like oh you have a daughter <laughs> like okay and then i was like okay i remember moira being killed right <laughs> right but yeah it was it was a big left field for me and whether our, our characters experienced it that way or not. Um, now, I mean, 
I think it's safe to say they're all reeling as they yeah. try to figure out how they're getting out of this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's, there's like. Did you use Control F? Reference. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's like 20 references to her before um, Venus. Okay. That's more than I thought. That's a lot more than I thought. But yeah. But yeah, I guess because she's one of the Furies, I never. There's just yeah. so much focus on Aja, right? Like... Yes. Yeah, for sure. Well, and so Aja versus her sister is so interesting. Of Aja has kind of always been that reserved, watching in the background, the bodyguard, I would almost call. Mm-hmm. Um. In comparison to, yeah, as you say, Atlanta, with her swagger, her, like, is she the young, is Atlania the youngest? I feel like she probably is. She's gotta be. Uh, yeah, like, she gives that yeah, she Yeah, she has to be. Uh, Me, well, compared to my two sisters, I would be Atlania. <laughs> are you a youngest, too? I'm the youngest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, I've still been eating Oreo. And whiskey. I'm just like subtly sucking <laughs> up. <laughs> um, there. I wonder what an Oreo in a dark and stormy tastes like. You could find out. Well, this one is just entirely lime right now, but yeah, don't for this. Don't try that combo. Yeah, it uh, it doesn't specify at least anywhere in Iron Gold. Okay. What what birth order she's in? But, but she it seems would like not me that she's the youngest. seems like such the youngest. Left behind to take care of dad, like, and then the swagger, like, it's like she's been living. Oh God, we're gonna have more reveals of my own life in here. I don't like this. It's like she's been living in her parents' basement and finally gets the inheritance and gets to like <laughs> go out into the world, <laughs> like. Not gonna lie, I would take over. <laughs> well, and like the way I think it's how you have I to learn birding. <laughs> I do know birding. Thank you very much. <laughs> I think it's how Lysander describes her too. Of like back in the day, of like she was the one that was into the big outfits and yes. the the core society and how they all interacted, like. She lived for that then. And so that's why I was almost thrown off when she's sitting here professing her prowess to all the, all of her other generals and leaders of, you know, I am the one. This mm-hmm. is my purpose. Yeah. Um, so it's a big character development arc for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like even Lysander says um, that he felt like he was an accessory to Atalantia when he was younger. Yeah, which very much fits that, um, like high society, mm-hmm. um, kind of li- living it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in comparison to Aja, at least used to take him on like field trips to see the falcons or whatever. That it's more that ant role of like, okay, I'll I'll, I'll properly babysit you, rather than, mm-hmm. I mean, which then again gets into some weirdness later uh but yeah we do know atlania is lysander's mom's best friend or one of them and calendora who we meet as well in all of this 
I think it's really interesting watching Lysander try to parse who is a friend, who is a foe, who is a, an ally for now, but not for long term. Do it. Love it. I can't <laughs> drop it in or else I'll lose it. But It'll just be floating there. <laughs> it, it's submerged and now I'm just going to have. Do you bubble? It's bubbling. need to know it's good that one the ginger beer kind of takes over the flavor of everything i could see that yeah i could i could eat more of these ones too <laughs> we've got a problem here no, I it doesn't think have it's... the lime though the lime might change it i'm not gonna test that but i am gonna put the lime in it in a moment anyway go on sorry no no he's just he's what he wanted Right? Better or worse or not. Uh, to be reunited with gold, right? He, he sacrificed Cassius. Uh, said it that way. Um, to come back. And... But now he's, like, looking at gold. Like, this is the gold that is left. And a lot of times he's very critical of it, actually. Like, he's ping-ponging all over the board, trying to figure mm -hmm. it out. And, um, you know... Ajax, he often describes his brother, right? They call each other that. Yes. And, but I think that relationship is a shit show in so many ways. Like, hello, childhood trauma resurfacing in a couple of times. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, as much as I loved uh, Atlantia's interaction with Diomedes, it was just pure cringe and like what the hell are we dealing with with Ajax and Diomedes yeah can we talk about Ajax and the asshole that he is so this was one of the mm -hmm. questions of the day in the den is the fact that he pisses on the wolf cloak or not the wolf cloak but the cloak and like just <clears throat> dodger where's your sticker oh she immediately ran she knew <laughs> You come back over here, I'll stick a sticker on you. Um, yeah, that he's just such an asshole. And, like, I I don't know. Like, I can't even have a comparison. I was going to call him, like, the jock in school, but, like, I don't even know where he... He feels... Go ahead. I think he's the, he's the nerd that became a... Like, the nerd who was bullied... Ooh. That then became a jock and became the bully. Oh, that's a good, yeah. Because we 100% get that from Octavia. Like, he was supposed to be her little experiment of what happens when we mix core and rim and whatever. And, and Lysander says at some point that he was a disappointment. That Octavia mm -hmm. thought, like, oh, this failed. Um, so I think he very much did grow up with that complex, especially if brother Lysander, who was held up in all ways from, you know, birth till 10. Um, I, I think he carries a lot of that as a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, Lysander talks about them going out on the West Line and walking a one kilometer tightrope, basically. And Ajax makes it a quarter of the way across and chickens out, walks back. Or he would get lost, and Lysander would leave him. 
So yeah. Lysander was the bully. <laughs> Classic. He's still the fucking bully. Let's be serious. <laughs> fucking piece of garbage. Yeah. All right. So I'm just going to go there. I am not okay. a Lysander apologist. Okay. But I sounds like something a Lysander apologist would say. Right. <laughs> Wait, let me, let me swap out my bourbon. Oh, my chaotic tequila. tequila. All right. Um, all right. Let's do it. All right. We're in chaotic tequila mode. I think he's what makes the second trilogy. Like he is the tension point of it. We need. Oh, absolutely. Like, oh, for sure. Ab- absolutely. Like, don't get me wrong. He makes for a compelling villain. Yeah, I made and, a joke in the den you know, about he, it. He wouldn't like the story wouldn't exist if if Lysander do- didn't exist. Well, that's like, I made a joke about it in the den because someone said like, "Oh, get rid of him, whatever." And I was like, "Yeah, let's get rid of all tension in this entire book. Why don't we just get rid of every?" <laughs> like every pricing point and just make it real easy for Darrow. Like, let's just do that because it's like, no, he, as you say, like, I love how he's written. I know people get angry, but it's like, no, his flowery language is the best part because you know, like it makes you so angry, but like he's written for that reason. Um, Mm -hmm. I also don't think he is the pure foil to Darrow. No, I don't think so. He is the pure... Okay, so, like, Darrow, conflicted and problematic as he may be as the series goes on, is our protagonist, right? But I think his foil is more of, like, Nero, right? And this mm. and Octavia. And I think Lysander is... I think we see a lot of the inner turmoil, even though he is... Don't get me wrong, like, he is by far on the, like... Gold will restore order, and that is what we need. But he does have this inner conflict, and at, it, I find he that he is humanized within these chapters. Of you see how he reacts to Ajax, for example, when you know he uh, kills the I believe it was about three hundred uh, innocents that were there. Yeah. That Condor, I was like, well, do we know they were innocents? Um, we see him walk through, and he judges. He judges Atalantia and the current golds for how they bite at each other. Like, he very much holds up the Raz as this is what gold should be. And I think yeah. I think he has more inside him that sometimes our fandom doesn't want to acknowledge because it's fun to... It's fun to have someone to shit all over, let's oh, be yeah. honest. Um, but I think what makes him interesting is that there are parts within him that are still debating. I think if he wasn't debating at all, he wouldn't be interesting. For sure. Yeah, and that's, like, honestly, it's probably a depiction of, you know, the the Octavia-raised Lysander kind of battling with the Cassius-raised Lysander. Yeah. It's probably pretty hard, I just realized, for you two to talk anything about this, having read the next book. But Skipper's purged it. It's I purged it. I am really good at forgetting everything. So that's why I read right before we record. So it's like, this is what I'm focused on. So I'm pretty good. Um, but I, my whole thing is like, as you say, of what he could have been, what there is, is in this part, we talk when they talk about Cassius, the traitor, and he is having these kind of, 
I don't know if it's quite guilt, but he doesn't like how they're talking about him. And you kind of have those moments with him of like, oh, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel right. What are they doing here? And like that to me is at least a bit of growth. Well, he's not is not completely convicted. He is he does not share the conviction that Adelantia and the others do. Yes. Um, and that is the only reason why I think his storyline works is yeah. that he has these moments of doubt. He has these moments of questioning. Um, because if not, like it'd be hella boring. Like, oh, okay, you're just another gold that like thinks everything yeah. should just be how it was. Yeah. Um well and like so you brought up foils that I agree he's not the foil to Darrow I would say almost Atlantia is and we'll see like her I mean in the same way the sovereign was sovereign being Octavia Mm -hmm. not the current sovereign um but I would say I and I'll bring it back up of Lysander versus Alexander which then I forgot that there's another one of their cousins in this who also ends in Dan, like, Ander. And I was like, Pierce, you've pushed it. If I can't. <laughs> like, but I, the two of them is who I like to compare. Of what Lysander could have been if he was raised by the Arcos. And then taken in by Darrow, which we see that later. But that difference. And it's really funny. Today I was looking up um because i use the r like the red rising wiki all the time just to remind myself of things and so who the parents were and what the names were and i was kind of going through that because it's like oh the best friend and i was like hold on remind me of the dad's best friend oh atlas cool um but it's really interesting that when you google lysander uh it immediately, the following Google search is Lysander O. Arcos. So enough people have trying to put it in Google search that he might be an Arcos. Like, it's just a very interesting for him, like, who he could have been if raised by a different grandparent. Mm-hmm. It also brings up that we never know Octavia's spouse. If you're on the Red Rising wiki, it says unknown grandfather for her spouse. Yeah. Seed donor, because why would Octavia share power? Yeah. So I was just about to make a similar uh, joke or comment, because yeah. you could see her just being like the mom who's like, oh, I'm going to bring this child in on my own and fuck everyone else. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's really interesting of, yeah, I think it's Lysander, as you say, kind of versus himself and what he could have been if raised by certain people. And there's so many, like, that's a huge web of like, what ifs, but it's really interesting for his character that I don't think we see in any other character. Like, I don't think there's ever a like, what if Darrow was like, it's like, nope, these are his parents. What if Mustang, nope, these are his parents, rather than Lysander is the one that has the most options where he could have been. And again, it's might be because he's only <clears throat> 20, but at the same time, I mean, maybe Alexander would have ended up different if only like raised by Lorne instead of taken on by Darrow, but I don't think it would have been that different. Like, I think Darrow kind of honored Lorne through all of that. 
-hmm. Yeah. I think the only other kind of similar look we would have gotten would be like if Darrow went to Lorne instead of going to Nero. Right. Institute. Yep. Or I guess Mustang, we always talk about Mustang being raised by the Telemannus. And what mm, if she yes. was yep. only Nero rather than the Telemannus influence yep. would be, I guess, the other one. But for the most part, Lysander, it's this like, what is the impact of Cassius? What is the impact of Octavia? What if he was Alexander? What if this? Like, there's so many what ifs. And that's what makes his character really interesting is he has, I think, more possible outcomes than anybody else. And I think, and I don't, I think this is a general enough statement that applies to the 15 chapters, but also the whole book, like, the review I left on Goodreads when I read it the first time was that, like, mentioned that, like, Lysander is both humanized and vilified within the same storylines. Yeah. There are times that I read his storylines and I'm like, okay, I see inside, like, why you think this is right or what you're trying to do, and you don't seem evil. And then there are other times that I read them, and I'm like, it's the same action, and yet you seem the worst, <laughs> right? Yeah. You're all of a sudden twirling a mustache. Yeah, but I think for Pierce to be able to do that, I, I guess that's why I get a little bit of backlash when everybody just completely shits on him because I think he is more nuanced than that. And I think that, and I think Pierce wrote with intention. Oh yeah. That, you know, to show those moments that make you like, okay, you're, you're getting there. You're thinking the right thought process. And then he sets you back all over again. Yeah. 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 He's a very interesting character. And I almost feel like more fleshed out, Definitely than Lyria and Ephraim, who we haven't yet seen in Dark Age, but that would be who else we get at this point of view. And Daryl only fleshed out because we've seen him for three previous books. The Lysander gets really fleshed out really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to go chronological or do you want to go to Alexander? Well, let's go to Alexander because we keep dancing around it. We just keep yeah. going, but what about Alexander? But what about Alexander? So we'll go to Alexander. So I have a question okay. that I'm hoping Russell can help with. Um, in the beginning of the book, Arrow explains that like he could see Alexandra, I forget the exact wording, but like, is he the one that is meant to carry on after me? Mm -hmm. In chapter 15, he makes a comment that he was carrying a mild disdain for him because he thought that he was always trying to please him. Mm. Yeah. That he wasn't just so like, how do we, I guess it's not a fact check because both those things were said, but like, how do we put those two together like yeah of... i mean is when he when he says the first bit is it like you know i can't wait for him to like take over my legacy right or is it like you know oh is this the person that's going to take over my legacy yeah that's a good point I was kind of caught off by that comment of 
like this admittal that or admittance that Darrow had um, as he watches Alexander go through this big moment of oh I, I I carried a mild disdain for him because I thought that he was only just ever trying to impress me as opposed to living for full virtues and I was like I didn't know you felt that way sir yeah <laughs> but I guess now you don't yeah yeah I always like him as Alexander and the question of like did you take him on to honor Lorne? Did you take him on because he was just so gung-ho, actually, about the mo- movement? Like, I would like to know, at, yeah, like, Alexander's entry point. Of, mm-hmm. Was it his own decision to join Darrow or because Darrow kind of, like, got him into it? Like, that would be a really interesting thing. Because I really think that- good- yeah, it would just explain so much more, I think, of whether or not Alex is just trying to impress Darrow or just trying to appease him, right? Like, where do, where do we lie with that? Well, and especially because I feel like Lorne be- began to really question Darrow a lot, and Lorne wasn't. Like, Lorne wanted to raise and coach Darrow the warrior of gold. He did not necessarily want the full rising, um, unless I'm misremembering that. But I rem- like, yeah. Uh, so, so then for what is Alexander's entry point, right? Like, what had he heard from grandfather, right? Like, how had he processed all of that? How? Man, we need that that lost decade skip. That yeah, mm-hmm. the unwritten, the unwritten decade. decade. That's what it is. The unwritten well, decade. The unwritten decade. Because uh, Alexander would have been in the house in mo- during morning's... No, during Golden Sun when they show up. He would have ta- been they hiding in the house. They literally talk about it in Iron Gold. Yeah. Because he was... He was uh, Apollonia says that Alexander would have been there when Lauren killed his baby brother. Yeah. Did the violence so- excite you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, very interesting of then how does that, what are the repercussions of that moment of hiding from the other people who were there, but also the Reaper? And now the Reaper's taking you in. Like, there's so many different. That gets me to wards are such an interesting role, right? Like, I know uh, Alexander wasn't necessarily a ward of of uh, Darrow, right? But, like, Atlas is a ward to the loons, right? And then when Lysander says to Atalantia, like, well, I was Cassius's ward, right? Like, yeah, an interesting concept. (laughs) Like, let's hand over our children to our enemies for this ceasefire or, like, peace offering, right? But But then be mad at them when they grew up raised this way. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting. Because, yeah, we know, again, about Golden Sun, we know that there's many Rim children who were in the care of the core. And so where are all of them, kind of, and the effects it's having? and Or are they all 
gone at this point. Like, we don't know necessarily, but it's very interesting of where that would play out. Well, and I had a hard time on my first read through sometimes positioning Atlas because he is so much a part of the core, right? Yes. Storyline, but then like remember, like, no, you're Romulus's brother. Like that that was confusing to me sometimes. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Though at the same time I'm always confused well, that Atlantia and, and Naja. <laughs> but the, the other thing too, like Atlas, you know, starts in the rim, goes to the core, gets banished to the belt. <laughs> Comes back to the core. Well, like, where is he really? Yeah. All right. In terms of space, where's mm -hmm. the belt? That's. It's the outer rim. The outer rim. Okay. Which is moving, apparently. It's the black rings on the on the bullseye. Okay, hold on. Look I need the map. <laughs> I need the map. Um. For the record, because people listening to this will have... Oh, it's this is the wrong book to get that map out of. Um, yeah. it, the solar system ends up looking like your bullseye. That's what I was... Oh, that bullseye. That's what, I, that's what I meant. Yeah, the black ring. Okay. Um, for it's the record... Comprehension. <laughs> I don't... I'm not looking at the bullseye. I'm looking at me. I forget that there's that's, a bullseye yeah. there. Uh, for the record, for those who have watched the last episode and know that I admitted to forgetting that the planets move, Popeye came, Popeye, Pop Top, came to my defense today saying that we don't, <laughs> we try and change his name all the time and then somebody else points it out and it's less fun. He was Pop-Tart for like a week. Um, but he came to my defense today that it's something commonly forgotten that the planets do move for the record and he is a geophysicist so yeah geophysicist not an <laughs> astrophysicist the sun it's more than the rest of us <laughs> um but yeah so okay i just needed to figure out okay so the belt's even further out i guess so yeah, i'm gonna bring is. I'm going to bring Atlas and Alexander back together. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Book. So we're... Um, that scene that Alexander goes through in the beginning, which I think then, then sets up, is your scene in chapter 15. Like, and he's driving through, like, Thraxa sends him out after the fear night. He falls asleep. He crashes the bike and then wakes up to a field... Of, of impaled uh, soldiers watching him go through that oh, fuck. right like that I think so much of what Pierce does well and in, in Iron Gold and Dark Age throughout is like really showing the vulnerability of our heroes because mm. even Thraxa is like I couldn't send anyone else because Daryl's like, why didn't you send two? Like, why are we only sending one? Like, they are so worn down. Here mm -hmm. is supposed to be the one that, you know, Daryl's wondering, will you take over for me, right? Like, is this the one? And, like, he fails 
in a way that is so significant and devastating for so many other people. And like, that's of these chapters, I have like three favorite scenes. And like, that is one of them. Like, not because I enjoyed reading it, right? It's brutal, but like, yeah. it's so heavy and so real. And like, sometimes it's hard to remember Alexander as a kid too. I mean, we we're, we're talking about this, but like so much for him to boy to bear and then to Darrow to be to turn around with like I need you to hold this. I need you to figure out a way to carry this. Yeah. Yeah, thoughts on that scene cuz I it just it really s- stood out to me. Yeah. I don't know. It's such a hard scene because you get to see Alexander so discombobulated and like everything it's a very for me listening to it today was just hard of like Darrow understanding how difficult what they're going into is but is that not is that the same scene where he gets the first what is it called standard standard and he goes no okay but I like that part where he's um... like he tries to give it to Darrow and Darrow gives it back. But yeah, it's a very hard scene where he's so like, and Thraxa, I love her to death and just her her struggle of like, I did what I could. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's interesting. This is kind of like the first time that we really see Alexander fail at all. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, like even in the assault on Venus, like Darrow talks about how Alexander doesn't have a mark on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, now he is ruined by, by this. I mean, he's stripped down. One and yeah. Like yeah. Rona's trying to engage with him and like, can't. You know. Yeah, he's he's just like totally shell shocked, like, and like Thraxa even says in that same conversation, she's like, "He's the best soldier I've ever seen," like including you, Darrow, like, yeah, and and he's still been just absolutely beaten down by by this war against Atlas, well, you know, this portion of the war against Atlas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say, like, in the same way that my enjoyment for reading Atalantia didn't show up as much till this one. Like, I liked Alexander. Like, I thought he was, you know, but, like, my first read-through, I don't think I had as much of a love for him as sometimes Mm -hmm. the fandom does. But, like, even just within these 15 chapters, right, like, seeing everything he goes through, right, like, how him and Rona truly are trying to earn the wolf cloak, not believe that it is... Um, that they are owed it, right? And then the way that he carries the weight. And then yes. the scene with, like, earning the standards. And he shares it with Rona. Yes. Okay. That's right. He ends up sticking it on yeah. her. Yep. On her Jack and Jaeger. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, the continued development. I get it now. Right? Like, I think sometimes my first read-through for things, I'm just, like, consuming. <laughs> so it's hard to, like, process, like, yeah. pure... A connection with some of the the more popular characters but now i'm like oh man like because he's real like he has ups and downs and mistakes and victories yeah. and like he's what we want gold to be like, yeah we don't have representations of that no 
yeah, he is the ideal in a manner. I do agree with you of like the reread um, being, I mean, and I will talk pre-Dark Age because I genuinely don't remember my first like Dark Age read through. Like it's as if it's new to me, but it is interesting. And I wonder if I picked up more on Alexander because I knew it was like from how other people talk. Right. And, but in other books, it's like, there's total characters that I would disregard, but then I would see in the comments, people like, oh, this is, you know, my thoughts on this. And I think sometimes then I take more staunch, like Cassius, like, I don't know if I really am like, well, no, he is a dolphin. He's a fucking dolphin. Um, dead dolphin at this point. Oh, sad. But, uh, yeah, like, so there's different characters that I feel like we take stances on and then you want to defend your stance or you want to represent your and so that's why it's really interesting being in the den of you get to see that like I don't think I would maybe this time I would have picked up more of Alexander but I just knew how much certain people loved him that I was paying more attention to him this time Mm -hmm. yeah I think group read think is a very interesting element and like apart from rereads even like that like just nowadays with like everybody can share their opinion on twitter in real time and things like that like sometimes i'm like would i have a different opinion if it was just my own opinion yeah not everything coming through and so i think that's where some of my lysander like just like not the total, like, fuck you, Lysander, of just, he has so much to offer as far as the plot goes, right? And that I really try to, like, push a little bit of that away. Um, yeah. But I, Alexander has been really good to read this this time through. And the scene in chapter 15 between him and, between him and Darrow as, storm god is coming down and he's like no we need to go save these people um and let's go there that he like finally gets his wolf cloak i mean yeah chills yeah watery eyes right like what more could you ask for out of a hero (laughs) yeah yeah i really like that alexander turns down getting the peerless scar yes like I know Fuller's what I am. He's like he's like about to do it. Yeah, I know, I know what, what I am. am. And I think that's like, like Darrow obviously knows he's he's in it for the rising at that point. But like it really, it really showed it. He's like he didn't he didn't give a shit about you know being yeah. being admired as a gold. He just wants to be good. And Darrow even kind of pushes back. Like, he says something about, like, the people down there are just X. It's, it's not a color. It's like, um, you know, they're just farmhands or something like that. Uh, it's not peasants. That he calls them peasants. Peasants. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, then Alex, Alex says even peasants don't float. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it was Darrow using peasants when I was listening to it tonight. That I was like, whoa, like that's like, yeah, okay, we were breaking down the system, but shouldn't we also be drinking down 
the cl like class system as well as color system. Like, yeah, that was well, peasants that I was like, interesting word, interesting. And what I like about that's that direct interaction with them is like, it keeps building. Like, yes, the line of Alexander saying, I know what I am is great. But then like to Daryl come back, like, but do you? Right? Like, yeah. okay, let's turn away the scar, but then like, here is the wolf cloak, right? And then like, um, howlers never kneel, right? To yes. Yeah. yeah. Shout out. I'll say this to him directly later, but Button has offered that. I think it's his partner and makes patches and he's like, I need a specific patch request. Like that's the one I want. I want like an Arcos colors never kneel. Yeah. Moment. But then I like that again, I think there is levity in dark age because then like there's screw face, <laughs> like I'm going to spit at you, but it goes back in my face. Yeah. It's too heavy. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great, it's a great moment all around of all of that, of kind of the send off, I would say, of you get to see them go and him on his noble quest, very crusades almost-esque, because it describes exactly, aren't they wearing like purple? Like you get to know exactly what they're wearing. It feels very, this might be because we've been obsessed with Orlando Bloom in the den this week. Um that okay, kingdom of heaven i know there's a few people in my family that would uh yeah attest to me being quite the fan um but kingdom of heaven and the crusades it felt very i don't know if crusades were just in my head because we were talking about it but it felt very crusade sending off your people into the crusades at that moment of like here let's do the rituals let's do the rites it is technically a pilgrimage and then gets into them sending off. Yeah. Well, and not quite crusades, but as far as like sending off your people, uh -huh. that's another big theme within these 15 chapters is how do you spend your young? That is mm. a comment here. Arrow speak at the beginning. And he even says, how would I spend Alexander's life? How would I spend my own? Yeah. And then coming how into chapter 13. Hmm? He even says, like, how would I spend taxes like? Right. And then coming into this big moment, he repeats it. He's like, and this is how it is. Like, but this idea of like Darrow first trilogy is the young life to be spent, right? Yeah. <laughs> and now here he is in the general position dictating how the young die and like when is it appropriate and when is it not and i think i might be wrong on this but i think we see a little bit of that actually on the um the society side as well i thought there was one comment on the spending of the younger generation um but it's very interesting to see that new role reversal for him well, and in that moment, this is way back at the beginning, talk about Darrow rather than Alexander, but way back at the beginning where they're going to rescue Orion, he talks about how Rona is there. And I, like, basically apologizing to his brother that Rona is there, but even Orion's life is, like, basically more than him keeping that promise to his brother. 
Like, it's a very interesting, his tie-in, as you say, of, like, where is the young people's life? It's getting back Orion. Well, because she has all of the Republic secrets in her brain. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so Could that's not. where that's where you're breaking the promise of to your brother of, like, nope, sorry. She, like, Rona's on the line because we need Orion back. I freaking love Rona, too. And, like, the way that she, like, worms her way in so smartly. But, like, she makes herself indispensable. She becomes the only other one that knows what a threat Orion is, that knows where he keeps the kill switch. And and he says it. He's like, all right. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. That was a moment. Call yeah. Sever when he turns to find her at his hip, and she, he says, uh, "It looks like I've, or she looks like I've slapped her." Yeah, like, and I think that was more being caught off guard as a far as opposed to like offended or anything, but just like, "Oh shit!" Like, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, re- well, okay. So are we done with Alex? Are we going to move on to Rona? I think I so. Think, okay, so we, my I favorite- think we've gotten pretty deep in it on Alexander. Yeah. Um, my favorite thing with Rona is her moment then of permission to speak like blood and that she has learned from iron gold of this, like you can either be his Lancer or his niece. And she, in that moment, like it's one of my favorite, but yeah, I love Rona for all of this. If she knows her worth, she knows like, where she stands and all of that, but at the same time still knows that balance that you play of the family versus, and at this moment is the closest thing Darrow has to family and what is happening. Yeah. Because I would argue in Iron Gold that Severo is technically more family than Rona is. This is when we get that, it's Rona and Nor. So I just love that moment of like permission to speak like blood. <laughs> and he's like, fuck, fine. What? <laughs> like, yeah. I yeah, love that's, her. That's, that's when she tells him, you know, you know, at, at your side, like out of a mech, I'm like, you know, 1.3 meters with bad temper and a dirty gob. You know, in a star shell, I'm decent. In a Draken Jaeger, I'm a full metal god. Yeah. Like, well, because also, like, she put in the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She did yeah. the work. She changed her body. She did all of these things to earn this position. So, like, let her go be what she has earned, you know? Yeah. I love that. That, that paragraph's one of the my favorite paragraphs in the whole book. Uh out of curiosity, just in the world. So if she was not okay, how do you pronounce it? Draken. Somebody said Drakenjäger. 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 Okay. Uh, if she was not in the Draken, would it be a blue? Because I doubt that's something a gold would do to themselves. I think it's a lot of reds. Uh, Is yeah, it's mostly reds. I think because Helldiver Legion. But previous i mean form. in the society or do they not exist in society? we actually have no idea if okay. the dragon jaegers existed in the society okay um i i assume not okay because 
they don't get used at all outside of Darrow's army. And you would think that the Society War Machine that is the Society War Machine, you know, would have something along those lines. Titans are the closest thing, right? Yeah, yeah that's right, because the Society's using Titans. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, interesting. But, uh, yeah, I just love her. I love their relationship. And I love her, tie back to Alexander, of their, like, cutesy moment. Is there something there? Do we think there's something there? Or are we forcing it because they're the only two youth? I'm just saying. So with with that, I mentioned one of my favorite scenes in these chapters. The other, again, not because it's a joy to read. It's not. uh, The Atomic Bomb that is dropped as they are readying the Draken Jaegers. I got there because that's when Alexander shields Rona, right? Like with his entire body. Uh, That whole thing is so well written. Mm -hmm. Like, as a writer, I want to digest, dissect uh, Pierce's brain on that for like, one, how do you do the research to figure out the scientific and anatomic and like physical effects of it. But then how do you emotionally write it? Because I think that's why that scene resonates so well is because it is so descriptive in the effects that uh, Atomic has, but then like the feelings and the emotions behind it too. Mm-hmm. Did you drop that in the, someone recently dropped it in the Reaper's room. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Okay, I was like, that is very specific because it was in the Reaper's room this week, which is where we put all the questions to ask Pierce. Yeah, I tried not to chime in too much on the Dark Age discussion because I was like, I want to save my thoughts for the pod. Yeah. But, like, I put in there. I like it. The question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Neither of us are in there that often. Actually, I think you're in there a fair bit, Skipper, but I'm not. I am in the Dark Age chat to either yell at them that they've gotten off topic to either, or right now because I read Lightbringer, it's very, they're theorizing and stuff, and I just put the gif of me eating popcorn. Without context. Like, I refuse to say what side I'm on. I just sit there eating popcorn for everything. Whether or not I actually know that there's an outcome. I'm like, <laughs> And a few people... I mean, I am the second most active... I'm the second most active person in, our, in the Howler's Den. So, like, for me to not show up to something is pretty funny. That people tag me in and they'll be... Merlot tagged me in on something and I was like, You know I can't because he's like what do you think the I think it was like the future of Lysander and I was like can you fuck off like you know I can't like say anything like why are you <laughs> so that's I like, just popcorn so I do I do look into the dark ages dark age chat but very little because yeah we try and keep keep all our thoughts here Mm -hmm. so i have a really hard time and i've gotten better at this on rereads with actually visualizing the tech yeah um and especially terrible when you throw in meters and things because my american brain is like i like literally i've started going and googling like how big is this how many pounds is this um the atomic scene with the red and Darrow's suit. So Darrow's in a star shell, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
canopy. What is the canopy that they were attached? Like, I have a hard time picturing. Can someone walk me through that? This is a selfish. It's going to have to be Crescent. It's going to be Crescent because I have no idea. So the star shell is like it's a tall person shaped shell, right? Um, And it talks about how the arms are elongated. So it's like they might have their arms inside of it, but I think they're more like inside of a central section, right? Because like otherwise you have to have you have to have the joints yeah in a in a weird spot um and it might just be that the like the joints are in the spot that they need to be and then the ne- like the lower portion of the arm is longer um but then the canopy would come down like over over your face and chest probably down to like mid chest right so it's like a a viewing bubble uh okay. so it's it's a sort of a a bubble, right? Like it's their how they yeah. see out. It's how their heads protected. It's all that. Okay. Is the reds get? Caught. Are you bringing it up? Look at him on his three monitor screen right now. Um. the whole tension point in that is that one of the reds get, gets caught in the canopy. My brain just yeah. kept being like, what does that look like? And then trying to shove that aside and be like, just focus on the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Visualize later. Yeah, I'm not yeah, a visual reader. Nothing really. Uh... We think it's essentially like a helmet. Almost. I mean, not a helmet, that's a bad word, but He gets pretty, pretty detailed. We get some oozing eyes. Yeah. And some bones. Um, okay. Can... So, uh, if you if you look at the subterranean press artwork, okay. the one where Darrow is like for Iron Gold. Do you um, own the subterranean the... press? Go get them. Go get them. Go get it. Holy fuck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, but you need iron gold. <laughs> Go back. Go back. <laughs> the other one. Now, you just got to prove you have the whole set. Yeah. So, if you look... Actually, it's golden sun. Um... <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Um, the one that has Darrow flying with his razor out ahead of him. I feel like she's going to need a chapter number versus that. I was going to say, it's moment. actually really hard to find that. I'll, I'll look. I have as no we idea. It's, it's actually hard to find the illustrations in here. They're not really like set out more from other pages. Oh, uh, like it doesn't have like a, like a dark edge on the page. No. No. Oh. Oh. Anyway, there's oh oh yeah that, that. so he's he's surrounded by star shells. Uh... I was like, I know there's some depiction of them. 
There's no canopy. I see a lot of starshell legs, but this is still very helpful. Look in the look in the bottom right. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I, I think canopy yeah, could be it's, for it's my like a, it's like a helmet. Yep. Yep. Okay. This was helpful. Thank you. Yeah, I like it. Uh we get Alex and Rona. It's like kind of the first real affection. Cause like Darrow's like Alex get her. And he's already going. Yeah. yeah. And they had a moment of affection earlier to, that I viewed as affection of, uh, or maybe camaraderie is a better term. But Darrow, I think it happened. I think we get to it because Darrow clicks into their comms, but he hears the oh, two yeah. of them early on talking about like, surely this has to be worth a wolf cloak, you know, like, I do like that they have each other, whatever it it is, right? Whether it's it's friendship or companionship or something else, like to have somebody else going through that with you at that elite level, I think is important. Yeah. 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 So that's that's like just before um they execute the plan to get Orion. No. Yeah. Are we gonna talk about Orion? Let's talk like, Orion because yeah. one of my favorite characters in this and fucking devastating. So we get the epic rescue of Orion and who we've missed through all of Iron Gold. We get yeah. Iron Gold. We get to learn that um, she's off. She's kind of commanding her own. And uh, well, even in. Like, oh my god. I would just love to go through just Orion. So I'm gonna write this down of that we need to go through her journey. But in Iron Gold we just get references to her. She's got her own statue, like she's become this huge motion of the rising, but we don't see her until they rescue her and like even again, so it it was almost like it's my first read through. I forgot today how it all unfolds. That part of me was like, is that Orion? Is it not? Because she's this like shell of a human when they find her. And it's her eyes that Darrow's like, that's like, I remember the eyes. And I think she says, Hail Reaper. And like, it's just her finding. And then she's not herself. Like has to, has to go through psychological assessment, which tells me that therapists do exist. Good point. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, it but was probably Thraxa, obviously. Obviously, Thraxa the Telemannus is the therapist. Obviously. Is that... Is that therapy even at that point? <laughs> I think, like, she that's, just, like, throws a Band-Aid on you. That's, and that's Thraxopy. <laughs> I think Cavax would be like he could get down in his emotions with you. No, we we but, it's it's a thing. The Telemannus family is the space is the therapy. They're the only yeah. therapy in space. Um, and since Thrax is the only Telemannus in the fleet that we're aware of, de facto, de facto, it has to be her. Um. But yeah, but then we kind of learned that Daryl lied about cheat. her. What am I coming away? Callaway, Callaway helps her cheat. Yes. 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 But like, 
bad. Okay, bad. Right? Like we need her mentally. Bad stable, call away. But also, <laughs> also, like sweet. <laughs> like yeah. Well, I was gonna say because Darrow knows of like she probably shouldn't actually be here. She probably shouldn't yeah, well, actually be doing this. That's when he says like she did pass her psychological evaluation, but I'm pretty sure Callaway helped her cheat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's hard of our read through our girl. And then, uh, you know, yeah, we learned like she was, she was taken from her bed. Like she doesn't sleep anywhere twice. Like fingers. all of, all of the, all oh, the yeah, fingers are yeah. gone. That's what gets me every time. The the description yeah. of like and he's gonna go there, yeah, she, right? The, he goes to bite line. her nails and is like shocked to find that they're metal. And even because it happens in this section at the end of that um when he does use the kill switch, like it's her metal finger that like grapes across the floor. Like Yeah. I know. My poor girl. Yeah, highly, highly, highly traumatized. Yeah. That's, I think, like, so it's really hard. In the den, we're trying to not fearmonger because I think Dark Age of all the books gets the bad rap of being the emotionally damaged. It's, and I don't want that for new readers. So if you are listening to this and this is your first time through, there is happy moments, there is joy, there is laughter. It is just us as humans. I work retail. I could tell you every time I've been yelled at by a customer, but I can't tell you every compliment. And so reading this is the same, that I think we hold on to those emotionally damaging parts more than the joy. And that is a very sad reflection on human um, just psyche, but... This is the moment of, I think, in these 15 chapters, Orion is the one who stands out. Of It is someone we love. It is someone we've gone through so much, and you know that she's gone through so much. And what stands out is her torture, the fingers, and everything, as well as, yeah, we hit that point where she's gone. She should not have passed her psych evaluation and Darrow has to make the hard decision um and click her off essentially yeah yeah he, he literally says like he uses that word and he turns her off yeah and he's like you know for 10 years nobody could kill this woman and I turned her off with the flick the switch and also no one had li- she was the only one that hadn't let him down. It was yes. like, to me, it was both of those two things together of like, she has survived everything else. I hold her life in my hands. And she is also the one person that hasn't let me down until now. But she just, fear corroded her, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, he tore down every part of her. Um, yeah. Yeah, super hard. And and for me, the hard thing is Darrow put her almost in that position of yeah, like you're going to control I- this. He could have he could have benched her. 
and he did. Any other blue? I, I tried to pay attention for this, but like, could somebody of else have managed the storm gods, or was it just that he trusted her more? But like, was there another blue that could have handled it and directed it? All the way, like theoretically. Yeah, I was going to say Callaway would be the next. But like, yeah. But it I ends up killing. Oh, five? it kills all of them except for. It kills all of them except for Orion, and she definitely would have died. Mm -hmm. But, you know, she she wanted to take the Storm God to Fourth Horizon. Quaternary yeah. Horizon? Yeah. Because, um, like, yeah, he, he talks about there's, there's only one other blue that's still alive but it's like bleeding he, out his ears and, his... Her, and then it's like yeah they're cerebral like they're having a cerebral hemorrhage yes. yeah and they're bleeding out the eyes ears nose like everywhere like that person is dying like in the process yeah. of dying so early on in the beginning of this section in his conversations with harnassus again with Horion. I feel Orion. I feel like Darrow is grappling with his role of like, what concessions do we make in the name of liberty, and like, when do we, like, when is that okay, and then how? When have we made too many concessions? And like, to me, that's what Dark Age is all about, right? Of like, how do I decide? And it goes back to like spending our young, right? Like. Because when you hear it from Lysander and Atalantia's view, like when they describe like all the lives that he has killed, that Darrow has, they're like, how is this better than gold? And I'm not saying it is, but like he, he has also wrought terror and like yeah. he knows. So like, I, I think that like conflict is so hard and like he puts Orion up here knowing that it's going to be probably catastrophic, but I don't think he ever envisioned her going to terraform level you know I, I don't I would like to think that he didn't realize that was a risk if he did I lose some solid faith well I don't think it is because he makes her swear of you won't go past primary and she yeah. says on my life and he says okay great like you're not going past I did, primary I did catch that in the reread because I'm like your life she knew she was sacrificing herself yeah. so she's like sure yeah. on my life like, yeah but yeah he in his mind no, I think he thought it was going to go through primary and that's it. I also, I will say about this is, I did not realize this was chapter 15. In my memory, this was halfway through the book. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. I have so much more. <laughs> I have so yeah. But it's going to be some ups and some downs. We're not fear-mongering, remember? There is some ups and some downs. There's like so much more. Like There's so brain, much more. <laughs> I'm with you of like, that's why That's why I do rereads. Because I forget a lot. Like, I know the big points, but I'm like, oh, man, what else is going to happen? Yeah. So. Can we talk real quick about Screwface? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like... So he comes up in the scene right before Alexander. Um, 
I think Darrow mentions him once before early on of like, why didn't he warn us against Atalantia? But like, I got questions. Nothing was answered in the 15 chapters, but I'm just saying, I'm like, yeah, what happened to our boy? <laughs> like, yeah, that's it. Because we learned that he looks completely different because they had to put him in under spy. Like, nice. yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was like Darrow. I think it was Darrow, Severo, Virginia, and Theodora, Theodora. were the only ones that knew. And Mickey, I guess. And Mickey, yeah. His Mickey Carter. Not Victra. Yep. Severo's, Severo's hiding things from Victra. Oh. Trouble in marriage. Yeah. Either that or Darrow just views him as one person. I, as the single friend, I always view, if you have a significant other, I just assume you're telling your significant other whatever I'm telling you. So maybe. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's it's cool to see, like, like an original Howler. Yes. Like, you, they, they call him an original Howler, which, of course, they do. But, like, it's really, it's cool to see like how much respect is given. Like people immediately back off when they find out who he is. Like, oh mm-hmm. shit. And like yeah. Rona Rona didn't know that he was undercover. And he comes back and is like, hey, I'm Screwface. And she's like, oh fuck. Yeah. I well, because I was going to say the moment with Alexander because it's like this very heavy, serious moment for Alexander. But then he's like, Screwface tries to like give him a little holler initiation, spit at him, comes back. But then uh, Alexander's yeah. like, an honor, sir. Right? Like, that's yeah. still to him right before he goes and does this big <laughs> noble thing. Like, but I'm at Screwface. <laughs> yeah. Well, because yeah. I was going to say, at this point, Savro's gone, which. They don't, it's interesting to me when they, when uh, you see from Lysander's point of view, they name uh, Severo as someone they expect to be there. When they're like, these are the people you're going to go capture and like, these are the lives to take. Severo yeah, is named. Um, but we know Severo's not there. Clown and Pebble have gone. And so it is Screwface is the remaining howler from the original. Yep. And we don't have him in that first chunk, and then he quickly comes back. But, yeah. Very, very cool to see Screwface. Who, from the gala, Um, we know that, uh, I believe Screwface is who Pierce is marrying. Marrying or fucking, he's killing Clown. During the the gala, he killed Clown. I know he killed Clown. I forget where Screwface If it was Screwface or Pebble, I think he it's Mary Screwface. Fuck Pebble. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or is it the opposite? I, th- I thought it was Mary Pebble, fuck Screwface. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Gives Either way, Clown. Clown yeah, go back. I've only ever watched it to edit things out of. So, um, kill Clown, though. Only because Clown might make a comment <laughs> that'll get into your insecurities. Yeah. <laughs> Real and true. Uh, I guess let's quickly touch on like Darrow and Harnassus. 
Oh yeah. Um, there's not there's not that much with them in this, um, but like Darrow, Darrow is very much like, you know, I want to kill their army, and Harnassus is kind of the one who who drags him back to, you know, if you have the choice between killing their army and saving ours, I need your word that you'll save ours. Mm-hmm. But in that conversation with him, Darrow is not convinced of that. Darrow's mental state is, nope. And then it's yeah. not till... and, then, and then it And then it comes, and he's like, oh, I guess I will do that. And like, thank God, right? Because, like, I, I love Darrow. I feel like I know he continues to evolve and he gets more complicated and some some people come down on him, understandably. I'm like, I need to see that you still have that humanity in you, right? That, like, mm-hmm. you can put the general aside at a certain point and realize yeah. you have to do this. Like, it's so pivotal, I think, for Pierce writing it to keep the readers... On Darrow's side. For sure. Yeah, because, I mean, we came out of Iron Gold. Personally, I was mad at Darrow. Because you have chosen everybody over your wife and child. And we're now seeing what that looks like. And I think it does help. And it's funny because when we were recording Iron Gold, I didn't remember any of this. So, uh, Crescent Spoil, just a little bit of like, no, he does talk to Mustang before moving on and I think for me that was a pivotal thing of like all right like you've got her good wishes at least but uh we it really took a bit to get back on Darrow's side of like where where were you in that unwritten decade that I lost you during Iron Gold and now during Dark Age I'm back to where I was in Morningstar Mm-hmm. Well, and I forget how it's worded either in the prologue from Mustang or the intro, but like she does not shame him as a parent. And shame is not yeah. the word you use, right? But like condemn him as a parent or something like that. Like she says, like, trust me to go get our to go get our son. Yeah. Right? Trust me as the as the parent to do that trust me as your sovereign to keep things together and like as your wife to do X. But, um, and he trusts her in everything except sending the fleet. Yeah. It's like, yep, I know you'll get packs. I don't know how, I hope, right? But like, I know you'll do this, you'll, I know you'll do that. I don't think you'll send the fleet. Um, yeah. And that was, like, I do think, I, I'm not a parent. I can't comment on that part of the conversation that I like, I know there's a lot of strong feelings in the fandom from him turning away from Pax. Right. But like, do you think his heart is very much so with them? Like he's constantly watching the hollows back from Virginia and Rona even calls him out. She's like, yeah, remember how um, you didn't realize this, but I snuck up on you and I was listening to you watching the hollows from aunt V and like, like he's sitting there in his room, like missing his family. It's not like he cut his heart out of him. It it still very much exists. Yeah, it's a hard. Uh, so prologue. Um, 
Unlike Severo, Virginia did not accuse me of parental malfeasance. She knows the shearing forces at work on my heart. How can I be a father to Pax if I abandon the millions who chose to follow me to Luna? Nope. I think that's supposed to say Mercury. Ooh. Yep. How can I, yeah, how can I be a father to Pax if I abandon the millions who chose to follow me to Mercury? That's another question I had, Crescent, for your, like, retainer brain. Oops. I could very much be wrong, as I often am with my memory. I thought the liberation of Mercury happened fairly recently because that was the triumph that was happening at the beginning of Iron Gold. Yep. There is a scene, and maybe I misunderstood it, but it's like halfway through these chapters where he's saying like walking through Mercury five years ago and it was free and he wishes that Mustang and Pax were there with him as he like watched the sun rise over it. Like he goes like mm-hmm. into death about this but he said it was five years ago and i was very confused uh i genuinely don't recall that scene i'll send it to you offline you write it down me. that crescent doesn't remember something he was like it, one of the chapters starts with like and it's in these chapters that, like, Darrow's watching the sunrise over Mercury. And he's thinking about, like, one of the last time, or maybe it was the sunset. The sun's moving. And, he like, the last time that he saw this happen and wishing that Mustang was there with him and that it was five years ago. And I was like, Mercury was just liberated, sir. <laughs> could be. Could be this wrong. is why we need the unwritten decade. Yeah. We need it. All right, I'm gonna throw out two real quick things that don't connect to anything, but I Perfect. loved. I've got I've got a really weird quote that I'm gonna throw out at the end. So you do your two, and then I've got my really weird quote. This is real small, but a reason okay. why I always love doing the actual book and the audiobook. The audiobook does not read everything. It does not read the cast of characters in the beginning, for example. Right. Correct. I freaking love. For good old Apple, every other character purely has their family and, like, their role. There are no adjectives. It's nouns. Apples is, like, verbose. Yeah. I just love it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Thank you for including this descriptor that nobody else has, but that we all need to know that Apple is over the top. Yep. Okay, then... so, oh, I found I found your thing. Um, so the it's chapter fifteen, Taiki. Uh, there is no place in all the worlds like in all worlds like Taiki. Um, and it talk it he has a a big description of Taiki, and then it says, "I remember the liberation day nearly half a year ago now, when I woke in the early morning before the parade and walked alone down to the shore to listen to the gulls." I only wished my wife and son could have been with me to see that sunrise. For once, I did not glare at the sea and wonder how many of my men it claimed. So either, both of these are possible, I'm sure I'm at fault, either the audiobook, because that's what I was listening to for chapter 15, said five years, or my damn brain somehow heard five years as half five years. Before. 
right? Like, but I was just so confused. I was like, you got liberated not that long ago. So it's half a year, not five years. Yeah. Okay. Makes more sense. Well, I mean, depending on how they write it, we know that the audiobook reads exactly what is written sometimes. And so if it's 0.5, they might have missed the point and gone five years. But it it, it does it does spell out half a year. Oh, well, it's not 0.5 years. We're going to chalk this up to my bad hearing while I'm driving then. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, The other thing is, I just want to pour one out for Serafina. Oh, Um, God. Yeah, we didn't even touch the fact that she gets fucking sliced in the love interest, I would call, of Lysander. Well, his love interest. She does not have interest. (laughs) The love disinterest, yeah. Fucking sliced in half. Like, I don't know what that says about me, but like... I love this death because it comes out of nowhere. It's a pure representation of war, right? Like, it comes out of nowhere. And also, she's in the middle of talking trash. She is turning to, like, call him a pixie or whatever she's going to say to him in, like, a judgmental way. And then, boom. Um, Bam. It's brutal. And, like, I mean, we all know Pierce does it. He kills people off like crazy. But, like... It serves a purpose because you are at war. Like, if our major characters are not falling on some level, it becomes unbelievable. And like- 100%. And that's why I love Pierce for it. Whether or not it's a hat death or a planned death, he is so good if you cannot see it coming. And it is a true... This is what happens in war. Like, nobody, nobody's immortal is what we kind of get out of all of this, which I love. Yeah, she was Uh, more suited for the Iron Rain than Lysander was. She was so much more equipped. All of these things, it doesn't matter. Like if an enemy sneaks up on you, you're not prepared. Yeah, yeah. She like she knew how to traverse the hyper canes. Like, yeah, splat, splat. Yeah, gone. Uh, my one really awkward quote, and is because it's the ongoing quote of, in theory, Canada has actually committed more war crimes in the Geneva (laughs) Convention than any other country. It's like, we all think we're peaceful, but really, we're not. Uh, is, there is the quote of, it's only a war crime if there's a court. And I just, we have had the past discussion on here about is there the Geneva Convention? Do war crimes exist? And listening it to it today, I was like, oh, it's only a war crime if there's a court. Maybe that's no, Canada's like, out. Maybe that's Canada's out. <laughs> it's not a war is, crime the first time is Canada's view. Yeah, that's more our like, oh, was that bad? Should we have done that? Shouldn't we have done that? Oh, we were supposed to take hostages during D-Day? Mm, I thought we were just supposed to kill everybody. I don't understand. So I'm We won, didn't we? Needs to be made. We have the Oreo war crime mug, but there just needs to be like a Canada war crime. Oh, it is. Canada war crimes are bad and hilarious. I go on about them all the time. Of the My personal favorite is the tossing of... So the British army, which was 
Canada was under British control during World War One. We got twice the amount of food that the Germans did. So we would take our cans of food and toss them into the other trenches. And it became a Pavlovian response that the Germans thought we were just tossing them food. And then we would toss a grenade. Canada! Um, Not a war crime the first time. I famously in the Christmas of 1914, Britain went out and played soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, in no man's land against Germany. They ceased fired. It was cute. They exchanged presents. Adorable. Christmas is 1915. Germany sticks their head out and says to Canada, hey, are we going to have a ceasefire? It's Christmas. And... Canada just open fired. <laughs> we, so you're yep. saying I should be excited to see you all at HowlerCon, but nervous? There <laughs> is a reason we apologize for everything. For everything. We know our past, we know our history, and we know we don't currently carry the weapons we used to. The rest of the world went, we can have nuclear weapons, and Canada went, no, we can't. We can't have we can't nuclear weapons. We're, we are at least self-aware enough to um, not <laughs> to go, no. Yeah, we don't have any weapons on ourselves. We don't even have knives half the time. We're like, it's fine. We know our issues. But anyway, I had to bring that up, but it made me laugh. What? Oh, Ontario. <laughs> We don't have knives. I live in Hamilton. We all fucking have knives. <laughs> yeah, I, I carry a knife all day, every day. Yeah, Hamilton has knives. Toronto doesn't have knives. They have crossbows. That's a whole other issue. But really expensive hockey tickets. So yeah. stupid expensive hockey tickets in Toronto. But Hamilton has knives. Uh, but yeah, it just made me laugh. It's only a war crime if there's a court. But yeah, in Canada's case, it's not a war crime if you did it first. I learned so much. This was educational. Yes. Uh, great time to end. Thank you so much. This has been phenomenal. Join yeah, us anytime. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I, I felt like we... We were a little chaotic going on. I was like, can't talk about Alexander. Can't talk about Alexander. And you're like, fine, <laughs> okay, fine. You can talk about that. Yeah. Thrive on chaos. Well, Skipper thrives on chaos. I thrive on chaos. My favorite thing is right now we have a ton of people joining the den because of Fade to Obsidian that are then like, yes, I'm chaotic. And I was like, ooh, my people. <laughs> I've yeah. got you. I've got you. Yeah. We always say that uh, I'm the calm to Skipper's chaos. Yep. Yeah, which I mean, I'm sorry for Hazard Bedlam. You adore you. You built a very good frame. I love your frame. It was very good. And Thanks. then I jumped out of a plane. jumped out of a plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mom and Dad are fighting. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dad's cheering Mom on from the ground. There you go. Would you ever jump out of a plane? No? Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. I, 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 I told Rachel that you jumped out of a plane, and she was like, date idea? And I was like, yes, absolutely. <gasps> Amazing. Do it. It was so good. I genuinely highly recommend. Like, I understand people obviously have weird 
fears about things, but I don't. So it was phenomenal. And I yeah, really want to go a, again soon. As a person who is scared of heights, but also can't back down from a challenge summit, um, went skydiving in New Zealand with some random Irish folks I met. Nice. And I said yes. Very good. Uh, it's great. It's amazing. Like, I... I feel like you're too high up to realize it's heights. Like, if you're yeah, not... For me, I don't know if you felt this way, Skipper. Most people, nobody else has agreed with me. Um, I found it hard to breathe in the free fall. So they talked me through that, and that's why I screamed the whole time. And you watch me scream and scream. Rather than when I bungee jumped, my whole thing was like, I'm going to be cool and I'm not going to scream. Like, So my when I went bungee jumping, I went backwards because um, that just seemed fun. And so my bungee jump was halfway through. I was silent because I was like, I'm going to be too cool to scream. And then my body reacted of like, why are you still falling? And then I screamed rather than when I skydived, they were like, you have to scream from the beginning. Like, this is nothing to do with putting on a brave face because if you scream, your body then runs out of air naturally and you suck it back in. So I didn't have that feeling of I couldn't breathe because the entire time I was like, you have to scream to breathe. So even if it was like, so I went from 10,000 feet to 5,000 is my free fall. And the entire time I screamed, even whether or not, like, I wasn't scared during that, but it was just this, like, they told me to scream, so I'm going to scream. And then we parachuted so, from 5,000 down and it was fine. Do you guys know why that is? Why that you no. have trouble breathing? Because the altitude. Because the, the pressure of the wind on your uh... face and the cold, your body goes, we're underwater. Oh! I didn't take it there. I could tell it was the intake. Like I was having a hard time, like moving through the space and yeah. the pressure and all that, but I didn't so, associate it with that. So in my line of work, mm -hmm. I will have to stand in front of a cold fan mm. from time to time. And if I am face on into that fan, it's very difficult to draw breath. Yeah. Like consciously, breathe in because your body goes there is cold pressure on your face you are underwater interesting it's the it's the same reason if you're wearing a rubber glove and you put your hand underwater your hand is wet right? oh yeah but then you take it out and under the glove it's obviously not wet because it's temperature and pressure your mm. your body doesn't know wet it knows temperature and pressure Right. Interesting. Well, what I'm hearing is you are primed for skydiving. You already yeah. know how to do this. I was going to say, or you should start screaming at work. That's the other thing I've heard, <laughs> yes. is start screaming at work. Exactly, I don't. <laughs> now I'm, I'm just going to be standing in front of fans at work screaming just to practice skydiving. Yeah. That was, it was the big thing of my training was you need to scream. I don't care how like brave you think you are you're going to scream and that's how you're going to breathe because the, that. so the person who was strapped to me he had the full thing on like he had full helmet and i paid for a videographer to come along with me 
So he had the full helmet on, and they just gave me the goggles. And so they they were probably fine because the pressure's not there against their face because they had the full mask rather than me. Like, there's some really awkward like, pictures that, like, my skin's fucking moving over and, like... But they said, you're like, they're like, you're going to scream. I don't care how brave you feel. You're going to scream because that's how you breathe. I wish and someone would talk that. Like, nobody talked to me about breathing at all. Like, it was mm. to the point where I was nervous that I was going to pass out. Because and I was like, I am not taking in the amount of oxygen. I was not scared about falling or dying. I was yeah. scared about everything. <laughs> like, yeah. And then I was fine. Yeah. Well, well, all of that to say... Thank you, everybody. For Thank you for, for watching. Obsidian. Thank you, Summit, for coming on and being super knowledgeable. You're and, fabulous. And thank you for yeah. doing this stupid Oreo. Actually, we convinced Crescent into it. good. I was going to say, like, I felt like I was like pushing. Like, can we can we do it? Can, can we, we do can it? Can we do it? Can we do it? Yeah. We've already had yeah, so these, many responses to were, it. Were the ones who brought it up, and I was like, um, I will say, uh, at least Hail Reaper has replied at this point saying that they don't like so whoever is on theirs has said they don't like whiskey, so they're gonna try it with gin. And my response was, Well, dark and stormy's work, so yeah, we've thank you for this, thank you for yeah, harassing Crescent into that. It's great, yeah, uh, everyone at home, I didn't hate it. Yeah, it's good. Uh, we should try with scotch because, for all we know, I have I have, uh, I have smoky scotch that's cheap. I will try oh. that first. Well, Pop, I saw Pop Top tried it with my favorite scotch, and I don't know if I'll ever forgive him because he didn't even like it. Um, yeah, I. We'll try it next week with. With scotch. We'll do it. Um, I think we have Drill Bit on for next oh, yeah. week. It's his first time <laughs> Which on. Which we're actually recording in two days. Two days. I need to somehow read 15 chapters in two days. So that's good. It's going to be fine. It's going to be great. Yep. We'll All right. I, I work in those days, so I got to go. Peace out. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Summit. Thank you, Crescent. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one.